Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 270 for Monday, November 6th, 2023. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me as always is my friend Johnny, but you may know him better as Pixariffs. Hello, sir. Hello, and we've been chatting all about comedies in the Render Distance this week. That's the extended version of the podcast that you can get if you sign up to support the show on patreon.com slash the spawn chunks and yeah we've been giving our thoughts about some of the stuff we've been watching recently as well as some more serious stuff over on apple tv disney plus and a few other places besides if you want to listen to our thoughts on some recent shows that's once again available to our patrons it is the first episode of the month which is where we like to give a big thank you to everyone who supports the show via patreon and coming up this month we have a couple of patron events we have our chunk mail dispenser episode which was unlocked by our patrons that's where we take a focus on community email for an entire episode we've also got our monthly minecraft hangouts coming up at the end of november where everyone can share in our discord what they've been up to that month in their own minecraft worlds and as usual the lively conversation in the discord continues we have channels dedicated to sharing your builds discussing snapshots redstone and modding advice and spin-off games like minecraft dungeons and legends and obviously with the snapshots coming out right now everyone's very excited about those so a lively conversation is always had in the Spawn Chunks Patron Discord. What have you been up to in Minecraft this week? Well, the main event, the headline, if you will, is that I was a participant in this year's Love Tropics event. Love Tropics 2023 was raising money for Sustainable Harvest International. Uh, the VODs of the event are all still up on twitch.tv slash lovetropics, and I'm in the penultimate segment. Um, the event overall went really well. It raised over $24,600 at the time of this recording, and I believe donations are still being accepted over at lovetropics.org. I'm not quite sure when they cut those off, since it's just like a, a kind of charity marathon event sort of over, over the... Uh, the, the, the weekend, usually the first weekend in November, more or less. And I want to applaud all of the organizers for the fantastic job they did, especially considering that the US and Canada put their clocks back on uh, Sunday night. So yeah, we, uh, we, we effectively had to lengthen the, the schedule by an hour somewhere in there. And uh, they had some folks filling time. But the, the server that they set up uh, is all based around the Tropicraft mod, which has a bunch of like cool additional building blocks and uh, additional trees and wildlife and a lot of the stuff they had done was custom made for the uh, you know natural environment and flora and fauna of Belize which is where they were focusing their efforts with Sustainable Harvest International effectively teaching people in a community around Santa Marta in Belize to um, you know practice good agricultural well-being and uh not like slash and burn and clear large areas of forest land in order to be able to farm stuff like sugarcane that's grown over there obviously like ties into the minecraft stuff really well because we all know about sustainable sugarcane farming as minecraft players but yeah naturally this is a, a slightly different thing in the real world and uh yeah the event went really well i was just helping build out a tropical themed kind of boardwalk area leading to the final stage where they were doing the finale and drawing a bunch of like raffle prizes for people who donated and that kind of thing so i participated in love tropics a couple of previous years with the empires crew so it was really nice to be a part of this as a solo act this year i know that a, a crop like bamboo is really quick to grow and has a lot of uses anything from like building to clothing and stuff like that and i know sugarcane is obviously used in you know, sugar and alcohol and all this kind of stuff uh, and other byproducts but does sugarcane grow the same rate like did you pick up any interesting factoids about sugarcane farming 
Uh, it wasn't so much focused on that as it was focused on like the work they were doing with the farmers themselves and just kind of teaching, ah, okay. teaching them to farm stuff sustainably and mm. that kind of thing. But like, yeah, sugarcane is just one example of some of the stuff that they they grow over there. And the rest, oh, I see. Okay. The, the rest of it is all like, you know, small agricultural communities need a lot of locally grown crops because they don't have crops being imported from elsewhere for like, you know, general diet and everything. So, you know, people are, are going to have to grow stuff for their local community. And I, I was chipping in a little bit of my own experience growing stuff in my garden this year and kind of thinking, well, there's there's a bit of a tie-in to my own lived experience there, but obviously nowhere near like on the scale that uh, farmers out there will, will grow stuff. But yeah, if you want to know more about that, um, lovetropics.org probably has a link to Sustainable Harvest International's website as well. Um, so there's plenty of places you can go and uh, check out more about that and support if you want to, because it seems like a, a really solid cause. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, any kind of, sustainable project like that i always find really interesting uh, whenever i see that kind of thing on social media i usually stop and watch you know even if it's someone's backyard greenhouse or backyard garden where they've got their own like rainwater collection and all that kind of stuff if it's somebody that can present the engineering behind what they've done in a very simple straightforward educational way i always find it really intriguing because like it doesn't I mean, sure, it's a lot of effort and a lot of planning, but it doesn't seem like it's that hard anymore with modern materials to get sustainable, you know, growth, even in your backyard, you know, just for something where you don't, you're not spending money watering stuff when you can just collect rainwater and have it be watered automatically or use that water that you're just naturally getting from the sky rather than, you know, upping your water bill and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's so many, like, very well-informed folks uh, who are assisting with the love tropic stream uh like i met mommy bell who's a, a minecraft educator uses minecraft in classrooms and stuff a lot and had mentioned that she used the survival guide a couple of times to kind of uh, get through to kids about some of these topics and yeah like the, the the people were kind of filling in 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 voice chat with me um a lot of stuff about the local animals and being able to create like uh, what's called like a nature corridor so that the animals can move around still even though like there's human cleared areas of farmland around for like agricultural projects then there's there's still places where migrating populations of animals can go from one area to the next so they don't get very insular with their local gene pool and inbreeding begins and that kind of thing and so yeah it was really interesting seeing uh, some of the stuff about how they were helping to protect the natural environment and and habitat for um, tapirs and and all sorts of other like local animals uh, most of which were just walking around us in Minecraft as we were talking about them, which was uh, was pretty fun. But uh, outside of that, in the survival guide, I built the factory I was planning around my mud farm, which had been out in the open for a while. It was just the bare bones redstone of it all. So I've actually built a structure around that now. Haven't done anything on the interior yet because I'm kind of holding on for the new copper blocks so that I can have, you know, factory walkways <laughs> made out of the, the copper grates and stuff like that, right? Um, but I was finally able to get that done, and that prompted a bit of a discussion about materials, which I think we're going to cover in the main discussion on this week's episode of The Spawn Chunks. Um, but in the meantime, I have started using beacons, having killed the wither last week, um, so I started, you know, using that to instamine a bit of cobble and discuss other materials that you can get hold of with a beacon. The fact that you can set up a beacon in the nether, which still blows my mind every time I do it, I'm like, oh, this thing can just go straight through bedrock? Great. Um, and so, yeah, finally, I've got the in ability to instamine for full, like, for cobblestone, which I think is 
one of those underrated things that you don't really think about if you've been playing Minecraft for a while, but now Deep Slate is the level that we mine at for diamonds. You so rarely end up having massive stockpiles of cobble from mining sessions that you can then use to craft dispensers and pistons and all of the stuff that you need cobblestone for further down the line. So I'm going to be doing a lot of that on streams uh, just to make sure I have those resources in the background. And the last thing I did was getting up to full netherite equipment, uh, along with two full blocks of netherite, because I basically just took a bunch of TNT to the nether and spent an entire stream blasting out tunnels there. So I now have full netherite armor and tools, and plenty of backup netherite if I need it. Lots of ancient debris just kind of left over, but I'm hoping to do some building, or at least just kind of stockpile some of those resources for the future. I would have to look, but I think my cobblestone stores are full from digging out the perimeter underneath my witch farm in the swamp mm -hmm. and because it's such a big area and i don't use cobblestone all that much i feel like i still have a good half dozen double chests between that area and possibly in the nether yeah because we used to use the cobble in the nether for like all those blast proof early early roads right so mm -hmm. we just had an absolute ton of it and um often we would break it down into slabs because of course it would go farther and you'd also have nothing spawning on the road it would have to climb onto the road to be in your way mm -hmm. and uh so yeah i i don't know if i if i ever found myself in a place where i'd have to build with a lot of cobble for whatever reason you know like a, a big structure that had a lot of cobble in it for texture then i think i'd be okay but you're right i don't think about it it's not, it's not something i've had to think about for a while but i think it's because the world is so old like yeah. the citadel being six years old now we all started before deep slate was there so any diamond mining that you did early on like you absolutely just have a ton of cobble everywhere right yeah and even in the survival guide when i've gone mining for stuff more often than not i go mining with a silk touch pickaxe because i'm getting natural mm -hmm. stone and that's craftable into a bunch of other stuff and stone bricks and you don't have to smelt it if you want to make repeaters and comparators and whatever so i feel like i prioritize stone too much and i think yeah i don't need cobblestone i'll have loads of cobblestone lying around and then it turns out i don't and i went to uh build this factory with a bunch of mossy cobblestone that i was crafting with the moss that i dug out from that chunk of the mountain in the previous week and then i realized i it was it was not moss that i really needed at that point it was cobblestone and i didn't really have enough so had to go out and intentionally mine through some stone just to gather cobble in order to finish that build in the end Mm -hmm. I think the last time that I had that kind of realization was the the early stages of any modded playthrough or like a Skyblock series where you're just like, oh, right, I can't just use stone. Like I have to smelt cobblestone to get natural stone. Like you, you dig yourself into a, the side of a hill uh, to make a little base and then you've gone too far. Are you going to try to smooth out a wall? And you're like, oh, right, I don't have any smooth, like natural stone. I mm -hmm. have to smelt cobblestone to get that, you know, very basic or what you think of as a very basic building material back into your inventory. It's, it's an odd feeling when you have to go all the way back to square one. Yeah, especially when you've been playing Minecraft for this long. Like in Survival Guide Season 1, I would have had cobblestone for days. These days, not so much. Um, how about you? What's new on the Citadel? Well, uh, speaking of how long I've been playing, uh, the Citadel and West Hill had a, a mark on the calendar this past weekend. On the 4th of November marked my third year on the West Hill project. I broke ground on the potato farm at the top of the valley <laughs> on November 4th in 2020. And uh, it is weird and cool to be in this area for this long uh, I, um, 
I do have, you know, screenshots from way back in the day. And I do intend to, when I finish the project, have some like before and after stuff going on. Uh, but even just, you know, going back and looking at the VOD on Joel Duggan VODs on YouTube, which has archived the entire thing. I think the only thing that wasn't there uh, when I went to look was like the bridge in the path. Like I, I kind of made the medieval zone, medieval fantasy zone on the server and then did some kind of like admin building where like you come in in a safe area that's well lit. There's a path leading somewhere where you can start building and all that kind of stuff. And I did that before I started doing all the VOD archive stuff, but the West Hill in general, the bridge kind of stops, you get off and there's a couple of path blocks and it's just, it's just empty field, empty sunflower plains and plains and rivers and stuff like that. And so going back and looking at how that all started compared to where it is now, where I'm getting to the point where almost every block has been touched by me in the immediate area, or at least, you know, sculpted or been designed around to like divert your attention from like the weird Minecraft cliff in the distance and just like, no, 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 focus on this stuff here. And, uh, it's, it's coming along. It's, uh, it's getting a lot closer to being finished than I even felt, uh, just a couple of months ago, like just a couple of months ago, I really would have said like, ah, I'm still miles from being done. But this past week I was just landscaping and in part it's avoiding not knowing how to finish the inside of the keep yet, uh, deciding on what data pack and strategies you use there, but also really wanting the experience of approaching the town to feel finished. And I mentioned this last week where right now there's a couple of spots that feel kind of forgotten about. Uh, in some of the screenshots I've actually included, you can see like a very flat green plane in front of the, the main gate that's going to get um, a marsh, just like the one that I made uh, last week. But this week was all about the side of the river where I had just completed that bridge and that marsh draining into the river uh, last week. And then this week was just like, I had, I don't know, a couple dozen, maybe 34, 48 blocks worth of space uh, horizontally to decorate this edge of a river that of course meanders, you know, south towards the east bridge. And I was trying to lean into the natural landscape without just completely turning into um, the Hubert staircase look like I didn't want to just yeah. have everything look like it was a perfect slope. And so there was a natural spot where the Minecraft landscape was pretty jagged. And what I did was I replaced all the dirt with stone and I made like a custom cliff and hung some foliage on it and that kind of thing. And it was, uh, it was a lot of fun because now I have more blocks than I did the last time I, I did this. I've got tough and adding a gradient from tough to cobble to andesite at the base of this jagged, you know, cliff in the river, it really helped it look weathered and wet and, um, like the elements like rain and water would have done some work on it. And it, uh, it was a lot of fun having more blocks as time goes on over the, over the years to do more with. And the strategy really wasn't all that complicated. It was a really relaxing week. Essentially what I found is the easiest way to do this is you find your key features, you know, like there's the bridge, there's the cliff in the middle, and then there is the other bridge, which is the big, the big bridge tower. And what I did was I just did all the custom foliage, like the very specific bushes and uh, double high grass and double high ferns, like all in those areas to make them look very lush and dense. And that this building has been here a while. And those basically bookend these large slopes of riverscape between them and in between you can kind of just haphazard go around and place grass and ferns and moss carpet the odd azalea bush and just kind of work in that way and i find that because the features like the cliff and the towers 
have a manicured look to them and they look like the, the way that they you want them to, they draw your attention and your eye kind of just hovers over the stuff in between and you don't really notice that it's just planted grass and ferns. That's it. You know, the odd bone meal here and there to make it look a little bit less conform. But, you know, it's great. I, I, I'm really happy with the results. And um, the only thing that's left to do, which is on a to-do list for a much later date, and something I think I've talked about doing as like a late night stream or maybe like a silent stream with music in the background or something is like the river needs to be, you know, I need to swim through the river and remove stuff I don't want and just throw in a couple of odd rocks and plant, like hit the bone meal and all that kind of stuff that's all done within the town, but I've not done that to the rivers that are leading down to the town. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of stuff like that left, but um, I'm looking forward to finishing up these areas. I do think I'm going to put another build just outside the town. I think I'm going to put an inn on the cliff on the uh, west side of the river. So right now the east side of this river is done, like put a pin in it, finished. And that's a good feeling. Uh, but I haven't done the the other side because I still think I'm going to put a build there. And just, you know, as I described, I kind of want the key elements in before I start landscaping stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And uh, this is something I really wish was more of a thing in my area is like there being a natural river there since I'm sort of in a mountain biome. So I need to, if anything, create a river myself. And there's a, a river nearby that cuts through some of the landscape, but I don't have this amount of integration of the river into a landscape that I can build around. And I need to start terraforming in the area that I'm working in at some stage, mostly because most of the builds that I pop down there either look like they are just added on top of the landscape, or in the case of my storage build, because it turned out so large, cut directly into the landscape with a hard border that I really need to take the time and do some of the uh, the kind of naturalistic landscaping that you've been doing for it to feel at all like you know like like the builds are meant to be there and that they aren't just thrown in almost like a an asset that you've dropped into a, a a video game builder and it's just kind of cut out of it clipping into the landscape thanks yeah i mean it's it's a it's a really rewarding process i do feel like i'm in the same way that i get burnt out on brown and gray inside westall i'm kind of done with green for yeah a while. <laughs> sure <laughs> like sure just, yeah as nice as it is on a rainy day here in, you know, in Nova Scotia to be in a sunny Minecraft world building plants, you know, as there's snow on the ground outside here or fall happening, it's nice to have all this greenery at the same time. Like you don't have a lot of options in, in Minecraft for this kind of thing. And um, I find the most challenging thing about doing the riverscape is that I really like using moss and azalea leaves for bushes and overgrowth. It makes things look really dense. But that does not jive with the grass color in river biomes. Yeah. And you have to you have to switch to oak leaves generally. And then that becomes complicated because you can't use I use moss blocks a lot to hide the edge of the the dirt side of the grass blocks because mm -hmm. I don't have a texture pack that makes it like a grass side. I should probably remedy that, but um those don't match. And I mean it it works if you make it a standalone thing. Like if you make a plant or a a seaweed you know like a river plant or something like that sure but if you're trying to like speckle moss and azalea in amongst river biome grass it doesn't work at all it looks like a really strange there's too much blue in the river grass yeah. it's it's got the same uh complicated properties as a taiga biome does less extreme but it's the same sort of color different 
One of the other things I've done this week that hasn't showed up on survival guide videos yet is I went to a mushroom island and wanted to like grab a oh, bunch fun. of mycelium and I threw down a grass block just to demonstrate grass spreading and whether it would compete with the mycelium for the dirt or not. And uh, I, I always forget how incredibly cartoonishly bright green grass is on a mushroom island and... I feel like that was desirable for me once upon a time, but now I really love the subtlety of a lot of other biome colors that I'm kind of fine working with them. But yeah, that transition between river color, which is kind of closer to like mountain or tiger grass, it's got a lot more blue in it that, uh, yeah, you transition into that off the plains, it can be difficult to shift the other foliage that you've been working with up until that point. Moving into the news this week, Minecraft Java Edition Snapshot 23W44A was published on November 1st, 2023. We're taking a break from new features, says Mojang, to improve ones we've already added, including fixes to commands and the ability to use loot tables with decorated pots. Changes in 23W44A, copper doors and copper trapdoors have updated textures. Technical changes include decorated pots can now utilize loot tables and will read from the loot table tag key. There are also additional changes to the tick, return, function, and execute if slash unless functions and the commands therein. Bug fixes in 23W44A. Tough bricks do not properly align with other bricks that has been fixed. Top of copper doors include an open part of the window copper door item texture is inconsistent with the block and chiseled copper cannot be stone cut from cut copper blocks a full list of bug fixes and the details of changes to commands are available at the minecraft.net changelog linked in our show notes on the spongechunks.com a small snapshot last week uh and uh, we were really hoping to see stuff like trial chambers and maybe the breeze um because those are the remaining features i think i can't recall too many other things they mentioned at minecraft live that we haven't got in the recent snapshots between the tough and copper blocks and then the crafter the previous week but uh, maybe later this week we'll uh, get a chance to go through a trial chamber and maybe encounter the breeze mob but uh, nice to see these changes being made at least because the tough brick texture was probably the complaint most people had about the snapshot from the week before was that it was inverted or rotated weirdly or just drawn in a different manner that wasn't going to line up with the other bricks. And uh, yeah, I think it it makes sense for them to have done this. Um, I think a lot of people are going to argue in retrospect that, oh, it made this block feel unique and now it just looks like another brick type. But I honestly think the majority of players will find it more usable if it lines up with other bricks, right? Do you feel the same way? Oh, 100%. I um, I found two things interesting about this. One, like I'm happy that they made the change and uh, it feels like it's going to fit in with a lot more of what I would want to use it for. And people were showing off like how it is a gradual transition between certain like, you know, deep slate and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but interestingly, this is listed as a bug fix, not listed in the changes. So you, the copper doors and copper trap doors have updated textures. That was a change. Um, but this was listed as like, no, this is a bug uh, that, that the texture hasn't didn't change. It was like upside down or backwards or something. And so that to me, interpreting that means that tough bricks were never intended to have the mortar lines on the top. Uh, and that makes sense, because if you went back and looked at them, not all tough brick blocks had the mortar lines on the top. The chiseled versions uh, matched up with normal bricks 
fine. But the just the tough bricks, uh, and I think one or two, maybe the walls and a couple of other things didn't. Uh, and it's because that tough brick texture, of course, is reused on walls and stairs and slabs yeah. and things like yeah. that. And um, so I'm happy for it. I think I think that the change makes sense, and the fact that it's a bug makes sense because it was an odd choice. If it if it wasn't, it's uh, something I bring up a lot on the show is when Mojang gets about eighty or ninety percent there on something, and then you just feel like, well, why didn't you just line it up with this? Like it, <laughs> it just seems like it would make sense. And so obviously that was the intention, but then something happened somewhere, and you know, yeah. in the the update, and it just, it didn't come out as they had planned. And so I'm I'm glad that they they fixed it. Um, I didn't work with them. I didn't load the snapshot up because it was such a, a small snapshot this week. But um, I did see some screenshots of the new copper door and copper trapdoor textures. And I think that helps a bit with what I was talking about last week, where the copper trapdoor has the exact same texture as the copper block. Yeah. And when you put them together or put the copper trapdoor over anything that's kind of that tealy blue green, like prismarine, copper, uh, anything like that, it really kind of washed away. And the change here gives more depth to both the door and the trap door. And I think that helps help like make it stand out a little bit more when it's layered over things of the similar material. So that's, that's a good change too. I assume because you, you've got the resource pack on the Citadel that adds the 3d element to trap doors, right? Where they've got the transparency, you see the pixels in the side that are emitted from the natively rendered texture in default graphics so i assume you're going to do the same thing with the uh the copper door once the textures for that are available i uh, yeah i believe i download load that from vanilla tweaks.net right and yeah and i'm we're a bit behind like i don't think that i've updated it since cherry trapdoors have come oh, uh-huh. in yeah uh, and and i know that i tweaked a couple and there's a mistake in one of my textures where there's a very dark side on oak trapdoors uh-huh. and i keep on meaning to go and change it and have it but i really like it I, I i don't find that it adds a lot of lag or anything like that and uh, i much prefer the ability to see the three-dimensional shape of a door rather than just parts of it be like a pixel plane it just it feels a lot more uh, natural to me and trapdoors especially because when you use them in the way that i do for a lot of layers and decoration as opposed to just functioning as a trapdoor um then i find it it helps um, specifically when you're using them as like windows you know how some people use oak trapdoors as like window shutters mm-hmm. uh i find that it's it's helpful in that way um i didn't implement all of them i think that the texture pack adds depth to spruce trapdoors and i found that kind of overkill like i didn't think that was needed it's just the ones that have cutouts in them that I think were were more interesting. And I don't even know if I'd have to go back and look because I use them so infrequently if the warped trapdoors have any depth to them because they have like a weird windy organic kind of viney texture in them. And I feel like the crimson ones are more straight, right? They're, have, they, yeah. they're like a grid. They look like an acacia trapdoor. And I think there's depth on depth on those. But I mean, what's lovely about texture packs like that is that you can download them from the source. And then if you just if you don't like a particular version, you can just not use that texture. You can just delete it from the pack and just you yeah. know, incorporate it into your own and you're 
you're off to the races, right? Yeah, but I, I think the copper trapdoor is a good candidate for that 3D effect because it looks very industrial, and I think that's going totally. to work. That's going to work really well. Uh, you just got to bear in mind that you've got to do it for all four copper trapdoors and all four waxed copper trapdoors as well. Yeah. So it's like it feels like eight times the work for the resource pack creators, which is probably why we haven't seen more copper blocks before now. Um, and I'm curious to see if anybody does something similar with the copper grates because I f- that feels like a an MC Escher drawing waiting to happen where you've got all of this transparency in there. You can imagine like bars of stuff going from one side to the other, but then it's got to somehow like merge with the stuff that you can see through the other two faces as well. Uh, something tells me that's not going to happen. I guess it's like leaves, right? You don't see people adding a ton of depth to the interior of leaves. No, I agree. With the changes that they've made to chiseled copper and the crafting recipe, does that help at all with your copper math? Or is the main culprit still like copper doors, cap- copper trap doors? Yeah, no, it's, it's still like you can still only make copper doors and trap doors with full block of copper blocks. And the mm. the change with chiseled copper being stone cut from cut copper is because you need two cut copper slabs to make one block of chiseled copper in the crafting table. So you'd need cut copper for that if you were crafting them the traditional way, and obviously the stone cutter allows you to bypass that. But then if it's made from cut copper blocks in the first place, then you should be able to chisel a cut copper block into a chiseled copper block. And I think that that was what they were trying to correct with the bug fix. But I'm still I'm still very like I'm side-eyeing the expense of copper trapdoors, knowing that how much builders enjoy using trapdoors and how much builders are going to be the ones who will want the amount of variety that you can get from copper blocks, I do think it's still a little bit too expensive. But maybe they can still tweak that. Maybe they just haven't had enough community feedback on that to make it worth their time yet. But uh, we'll, we'll see once people have more of a chance to jump in and play around with these snapshots, which they should do if the trial chambers come out this week. Do you want to jump into some email? Yeah, let's do it. We've got a couple to read this week. If you'd like to email the show, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. We try and read one or two emails every week, as long as they are short and sweet and something we can get a good discussion about. And of course, later in the month, we'll have our Chunk Mail Dispenser episode where we'll get even more discussions out of even more emails. This first one comes in from Imp Imperfect, and the subject is bringing the world to life. Hi, Pix and Joel. Something that's been rattling around in my brain for a while is that even with all the animals wandering around, the overworld still feels very static. Blocks typically don't change except when creepers destroy something, endermen move a block, or sheep need a snack. I've tried to come up with ways in which the world could change outside of the player's influence, preferably non-destructive ways, like sheep eating grass. One concept I have is mobs eating leaf blocks, which then turn into something like branch blocks that over time regrow into leaves. I'm curious to hear what ideas the two of you can come up with, or maybe you don't like the idea of a sheep ruining your perfectly composed colour scheme. Imp Imperfect got lost in a forest because the trees kept changing around him. I'd never thought about using trees to find your way around in <laughs> Minecraft. Like I always use something in the distance, like a mountain or, you know, biome change or something to figure out which way I'm facing. I don't look at the trees as landmarks because boy, do they all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> and it's in, it's kind of cheating of when you've got coordinates at your disposal as well. It's like if all well, of us ran around with a compass and were expert orienteering, uh, you know, if we'd all listened during Cub Scouts or whatever. I'm not sure what color scheme would be ruined because, as I mentioned earlier, it's mostly green. So I don't yeah. know if there'd be really much to be to be destroyed in, in that way. But um, I uh, I would love to see 
some sort of change like this. The thing that comes to mind first over um, animals eating leaf blocks would be somehow for Mojang to work seasons into Minecraft. And I know that Slice Lime created a, it was a data pack or a mod? I think it was a data pack uh, that, that he was showcasing off last year at some point. And even if it's just a biome or a handful of biomes where this happens, uh, if they implemented it in the same way that they have lately, where they've given the players more control over features, where this could be turned on or off maybe with a game rule in the same way that fire tick you know, and, and vine growth can be stopped um, or even give players the ability to control the timing of it. So maybe if you want it, but the default, how quick things turn orange and yellow and red, how, as lovely as that could be, if you don't want it to happen that quickly, if it happens too fast, if you could slow that down and say, no, 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 please just do this, you know, at a much slower pace. So it feels more naturally to me. Um, I think it be would be really interesting to have seasons change in Minecraft set at the same rate that they change wherever you are in the world. So, you know, if you are in Australia, you would you'd, like it would be different for when obviously when you're in the northern hemisphere. And if you had that happening in your Minecraft world, that could be really interesting to make it feel more immersive. You know, like so when it's wintry outside, it could be wintry in Minecraft. And on one hand, sure, that could be a pain in the butt if there's any snowfall. Um, but I think I was more focused on something like leaves changing color fall colors i don't know how you'd really get around leaves falling off of trees i don't know if that's something that you'd have to go all the way in on i think it could be something where minecraft could just skip that step instead of having bare trees they could just go from fall to back to spring again like that kind of thing i know it kind of skips a step um but i think technically i'd be okay with that it doesn't have to be exactly like the real world um the branch blocks or you know branch textures that imp imperfect mentioned to me would be really cool and really useful for any kind of like custom trees but i feel like you'd have you'd want like players would want to use them to build you like you'd want to use them to make your own custom bushes and maybe even make your own like creepy dead tree that kind of thing and it would be neat if we could get them on our own so sure it might be immersive to have an animal eats some leaf blocks in the world. I'm not sure what Minecraft animal is tall enough to maybe, maybe the camel uh, to, to eat a leaf block, but uh, players would, would want to get their hands on it. And I mean, the mechanic of stripping wax off of copper blocks with an ax, I would imagine would be really similar if you had a leaf block in front of you and you right clicked it with an ax and it gave you like essentially like a bare branch block. That could be kind of fun, but I don't know how you do that where those branch blocks would then be able to connect to one another in a believable way because it would just look very odd like a star pattern or something if if it didn't connect the right way so you're kind of stuck with blocks and that's where log blocks and you know wood blocks and things are already there um so yeah I'm not I'm not quite sure what would be the best implementation but I I like the idea but I can see how it could be complicated from a a gameplay consistency standpoint yeah I, th I think the problem i mean the problem overall with stuff like this is that most noticeable changes are going to be destructive ones like if you think about mm. the way minecraft currently operates there are at least 70 hostile mobs around you at all times in java edition it's just that most of them are generated in cave layers so you don't tend to see them and on the surface you've got passive mobs most of which are going to be trapped in farms if they're around you but i feel like right now 
most of what I see in terms of animal movement, I see like horses on top of hills <laughs> in, in, in the survival guide world. And so I, I spot those occasionally, but they tend to just kind of go up there and then stay there. Um, but outside of the area of the player, mobs freeze in place once you're a certain distance away, and some of them will even despawn once you're a, a good distance beyond that. The game intentionally streamlines where and how activity happens. And obviously the change there is like, you know, in, in permanently loaded areas like the spawn chunks, anything that's going to be changing constantly in the background because of mob behavior is just going to be creating lag by the nature of its existence, uh, which is going to be a little difficult for the game to keep up with and also for the technical players who prefer to optimize performance and stuff like that. You're going to have people clear-cutting their entire spawn chunks just so that trees don't end up regrowing constantly. Either that or you return to the spawn chunks and the whole thing is just a thicket, <laughs> you know? Just a, a massive tangle of, you know, trees that have almost grown like brambles uncontrollably. Um, so there's there's nuance to all of this, and I'm not saying it's necessarily a bad idea to add more life, but... I think Minecraft's philosophy has always been that it is the player's role to enact change on their environment. And even with stuff like seasons, I can imagine them being something that the player voluntarily adds into certain areas because there may be other areas where you simply don't want them. And right. it's, it's difficult to say, like, I want this plains biome, but not that plains biome to have an autumnal color scheme, right? And so instead of it changing naturally as part of the environment, the idea would be you get autumnal leaves from somewhere else and you grow that type of tree there and it just has a different leaf color. So you can add in an autumnal feel to somewhere, but it's not really going through an autumn in that sense. Um, but I feel like there are other ways that you can add life to your surroundings that will make your Minecraft world feel a lot more alive. And one example I came up with as an idea is that if you add... Let's say you've got a mountain nearby like I have. You can set up a couple of hidden dispensers on a timer. And after rain, maybe like you link it up to a pair of daylight detectors, which could emit a specific redstone signal during rain um, because of the, the changes in skylight. Um, if that happens, you can then trigger these dispensers to spit out water and it simulates water runoff from the hills after rainfall. And then that, like trickles down there for maybe a day or so like a slow timer is going in the background and then it shuts off again and so it's like all of the water has run downstream and it disappears and then you're ready to like you know whatever's next whenever it rains next it happens again and i i kind of like little ideas like that and you know maybe movable blocks obviously using mechanism components at that stage because you've got to have like pistons and stuff but maybe you have a couple of sections of your mountain that shift around as though to simulate like some erosion and rock falls and stuff like that you can you can come up with fun ways of doing that yourself but expecting the game to do it and expecting it to not interfere with somebody's gameplay style is a very difficult balance to strike yeah i, I would agree with that i think you could add something like in the same way a beacon affects the player's abilities within a certain radius. It could be interesting to have some sort of magical thing, which is, a, you know, magic is a thing in Minecraft where it control, like you could have the seasons happen within a radius of this shrine you've built with this yeah. new item, you know, in the same way that a conduit or a beacon work, you could do something like that. 
Um, but again, that depends, like, then you've got like, well, where does that boundary stop? Like, then you could have p potentially people messing with other players when they don't want to, like, there's a bunch yeah. of stuff like that. I think the, the, the craftier solution, as you mentioned, is probably to have, um, new trees mm -hmm. <laughs> with new leaf colors or like, you know what, just let us dye leaves, you know, like, why not? <laughs> you know, um, just like, uh, what was it? It was the, the queen of hearts in, um, Alice in Wonderland painting the roses red mm -hmm. uh, like I you know going around with your dyes and painting leaf blocks different colors would be one hilarious but also very fun and useful uh, but then again you've got how many different kinds of leaves and they'd all have to have 16 colors like yeah, it, just gets, yeah. it gets complicated really fast I would rather have something come in like a maple tree and just have it be red all the time that's fine because then you can when you want it to when you want to have a red tree you can just have red tree you know that kind of thing could be could be interesting i don't know how they they'd have to add other colors so i don't i'm not sure how they do that maybe in a similar way to how azalea trees grow with like flowering and regular azalea leaves in them maybe you have like an autumnal tree that comes in like a maple tree that has both orange and red leaves so you get both colors from one i don't know where you get the yellow i you know you'd have to come up with a different way to do it but but yeah there's there's some potential there but i can see why you know to your point why you'd want it to have the player be be something that would that would do it something that just came into my brain as you were talking uh, about mobs it wouldn't be a lot i don't think technically because if mobs do freeze in place outside of a certain range this would only happen a few times around the player but it would be really fun if mobs somehow left footprints or treaded the grass and i know we've got a path block already and it, it works very similar to like you basically feel like you're beating the grass down with a shovel right what if there was burnt grass where creepers used to stand you know like if a creeper is walking across the ground and it actually burns the grass underneath it and if you're quick enough you can get the creeper and maybe pick up the burnt grass and use it as a texture i don't know i just that kind of thing even if it it was it, it was a surface animation like say the burnt grass isn't something you can actually grab maybe it's just part of the creeper animation and it just kind of disappears when the creeper disappears but it would be kind of a fun immersion thing to see this thing walking across the landscape and sizzling it as it goes you know <laughs> it's kind of a strange strange idea kind of like how um snow golems leave a trail of snow behind them like oh, totally, some, yeah. something like that or you know you e even make make it a little bit more uh challenging i guess like bring a blaze from the nether and then that way it's not going to impact your world unless you very deliberately brought a mob from one dimension to another and quite a difficult mob to do that with um and obviously it's going to be flinging fire everywhere so it'd be kind of weird that the blaze mob started fires in the grass but the regular fires that it had didn't you know there's there's all sorts of weird logical holes in it but yeah I, I like the idea of the world changing without the players you know direct impact but it would have to be done in such subtle ways that it didn't ultimately annoy people with different play styles is the takeaway from this i think our next email comes in from kija changing old mobs howdy picks and joel with last week's snapshot 23w43a we saw changes made to the bat model and animations i personally love this change and i it made me wonder if we will see more changes to other mobs by making them more modern perhaps making changes to squids or the five farm animals chickens pigs cows horses and sheep what other mobs could see changes made to them in the future kija tried to swim in lava while trying to follow bats in caves <laughs> and of course the bats always end up swimming in lava so that's that's pretty apt i think um yeah like 
I think this is something we've talked about on the show before. We've had plenty of uh, suggestions for like, you know, updating sheep to look a little bit more modern, especially now we have much more detailed feeling animations like the warden and frogs and a few things that have a lot more character to how they move. And I, I do wonder if it feels like the older mobs in Minecraft almost have that as their character. Like the, the idea of sheep in Minecraft or cows is that they are kind of stiff looking and that gives as much character to them as them having slightly more detailed walk animations. But I don't know. I'm I'm going to defer to you because you're the, the one with professional animation experience. Um, but I'm, I'm sure you've got a few thoughts about this. Well, it's funny that you bring that up because that's kind of where my brain ended up going as I was thinking about this longer. And I see both sides of the argument. I, I, I would love to have a few updates to the old farm animals and, and older mobs. Uh, we mentioned last week, I think, uh, or I think it was a point you made about uh, potential merchandise and marketing material that Mojang already has that would have to be changed or would then feel outdated if the mods, you know, the, the mobs changed. Um, there's also the in-jokes, like the very duck-like looking chickens in mm -hmm. Minecraft and yeah. the, the dopiness of current old school mobs like sheep can be the point of like very funny things. Uh, I remember, I think it was um, ZF did some flying sheep shenanigans a couple of years ago. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, it was very funny, right? And it works better because of how odd the sheeps look, right? And I do love the idea of updates that still fall within that blocky aesthetic in Minecraft. And, you know, if you go too far, it feels out of place. You see it all the time in mod packs with super detailed mobs. Um, they're wonderful looking in their own right, but they tend to not always fit within Minecraft, or at least they wouldn't if they were the only thing brought into uh, vanilla Minecraft, where in, in the, the context of a mod pack that might have a lot of other detailed things like more detailed plants, rocks, you know, uh, detailed trees, then they look a little bit more at home. But when you're bringing something into vanilla Minecraft where everything is so traditionally blocky, then they can look a little bit out of place. So I, I don't think it would be likely that we get both cows and sheep um, to have updates, but I really feel like their muzzle is something that would, would benefit. Uh, there's a little bit of a muzzle on the pig. Uh, I was hoping for something like that on the bat. But we see it on the piglins, you know, like you see that kind of stuff happening on some of the more modern mobs and it, it does a lot. And even just to keep that blocky aesthetic, but add ears, like anything that's on an animal that can flop around and animals use their ears all the time. When you think about like dogs and cats and wild animals, their ears are always moving. And if they've got particularly big ears or floppy ears like the piglins, then they move around creating some secondary action, which is an animation term. But it just it gives weight to a character. You think about anything, um, you know, really like um, if you look at any old Disney animation and you watch any female character move around that has a long dress on and have that how that dress swoops around from side to side after the character has stopped moving and ears do the same thing, you know, and in, in, if you can do that in any subtle way. In Minecraft. And I think the piglin ears are a very good example of adding a lot of life to what used to be some very odd, stiff looking characters in the nether. And I, I think that that works very, very well, uh, especially when you get into the zombified piglins where the, I think they only have the one ear. And so it, again, it makes it more of a dramatic change from, from one to the other. Um, but new animations could go a long way. Like even if you don't change the model of the cow, 
you could change the treadmill-like animation of its legs to have a little bit more up and down. I'm not saying add knees, those would be great, but like even if you made some changes, specifically, I think it's the Strider that has a really cool walk animation as a newer mob. Yeah, it kind and... of like wobbles from side to side a little bit. I think exactly. the, the Sniffer is another great example exactly, of yeah. this. Yeah, like where it has this sort of shuffling gait to it, which is noticeable by the way the body moves as well as the legs. Yes, and I think like having that kind of shuffle in something like a cow, which is generally a pretty big animal. Like if you've ever watched a cow walk around in the field, they're oh, not yeah. the most nim they're not the most <laughs> nimble thing, right? Like they yeah. they move very slowly and very um directly. And and I think that that could be, you know, something that could help because I find that it's it's the treadmill like hovering feature of the animals um that set them as old. You know, that make them feel old. Um, but, you know, cows, sheep, horses, even villagers and zombies with new animations with the exact same models can be very, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It can, it can pull those models into a more modern feeling in terms of uh, transformative. They can, they can feel like they're brand new, even though very little has changed uh, about them. Um, I actually feel like something else while we're on the subject would be changing some of the behavior of animals, not just their animations. Because I find like, this could be just anecdotal, but in Westill, I've got a lot of pigs and it's become a gag and they've been named. So they're not going away, but there's like roof pig, river pig, sewer pig. I think there's river pig. Uh, like there's just, there's pigs everywhere and they just don't disappear. And it's difficult to do things like decorate a very cool looking barn environment or horse paddock and not have it be something that the horses can just like escape from whenever they want. Yeah. Uh, and pigs, you know, same problem. But then also pigs just get hit by lightning. And you're just like, well, <laughs> like I want to have a pig farm, but I can't because anytime lightning happens, like the pigs get turned into zombified piglins. And so like I've had stuff like that happen where I was really happy with this one little pig behind a barn. And then the next time I walked through the neighborhood, there was a zombified piglin walking around. I'm just mm -hmm. like, this is not what I want. So I feel like some of the behaviors could be could be updated in that too. But mostly I think if you're not going to update the models at all, then animations, I think, would be the best way to move forward. Yeah, we've just had a, a brief exchange in our live chat between Civic Kitty and Alistair sharing ideas about adding piglin ears to normal pigs. And Alistair shared a picture from uh, a mod that seems to add a bunch of like slightly more characteristic animations to some of these mobs. And adding the ears to the pig makes it so cute that I would probably think twice about killing them. And I wonder if that's another reason why they haven't updated some Fair. of these animations, is that, like, if your sheep and cows and whatnot have more character, then do players start to feel even worse about killing them? Which, I mean, arguably, sure, that's, that's up to the player. That's really down to whether or not the player has that kind of sympathy for the farm animals that they're raising for meat or whatever but i am i am curious if that's part of it if 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 the mojang team thinks well maybe fewer people will bring themselves to try and get meat out of these animals if the animals are too cute to begin with because you think about some of the stuff that they've added recently they're not animals for meat they're not animals for like killing for mob drops you think about the frog and it's adorable even the warden you're not supposed to kill because that's not the intended experience and that's got one of the more detailed animations in the game so I'm kind of curious about like whether or not they feel like it is worth updating these because of the ways in which we currently use those animals and 
whether the animation is wasted on the fact that they are just going to be killed or whether the animation makes players less likely to use them for their intended utility within game. Did they not do that with horses in terms of the sound that they make when you hurt them? Like they really make it an uncomfortable squealing <laughs> yeah, shriek. Like it's they, not, they it's not I mean, not that I want to, because well, you also, I think you only get like, is it leather? Yeah, you get leather horse? from them. That's it. Yeah. But you get more from a cow maybe they don't make it enticing to kill horses which yeah. is fine i don't like i wouldn't want to and i think in general most people think about horses as farm animals and pets as opposed to you know slaughter and use for yeah they're mounts kind of things. in minecraft yeah. especially yeah 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 you can't ride a cow although that would be very fun <laughs> it would be um, you'd be really moving right that's yeah. just i'm sorry very good matinees very on good. thursdays folks, yes. every, every week <laughs> you can ride pigs it, it is a it is a point that you can ride pigs and if the pigs had extra floppy ears then yeah i'd probably never slaughter one again um but speaking of horses you bring up horses the horse model was simplified a little while ago like they didn't make it more detailed they made it less detailed in a sense and that was to unify the art style with a bunch of the other mobs and they have still stuck to that art style while obviously giving the newer mobs different models in the case of like we keep bringing up the frog but i think the frog is obviously the most preeminent example of this it, it has so much life to it and so much froggy behavior to it just in the fact that it's got you know an expandable throat and the waddle that you know when the legs move uh, kind of propels it along but it's still made out of blocks and flat planes and that's kind of it um and so the horse obviously felt too detailed for them they have like an in-game or, or sorry an in-house style guide of how they want to construct mobs and i think the wither maybe got changed a little bit and then the horse got changed a little bit um and i think going back to the example of the bat from this email the bat had a lot of stuff that was wrong with it in retrospect like how small but pixel dense the face was and the overall shape of the ears i think it was the inconsistency with the overall art style of the game now that made it a good candidate for change not just comparing it to the newer mob designs and animations and thinking we can do better i think consistency is way more important to them than updating everything to feel like it has bags and bags of character and i think the the bat also had a really strange flight pattern it reminded me of a june bug i'm not sure if you have those over in england but it's, probably called something different knowing us well yeah it's it's a it's a type of beetle but it's essentially it's the kind of bug that just flies into everything like head first like it has a a helmet on and just headbutts everything which is really off-putting if you don't like bugs because they fly into you and windows and they just they're really loud because they've got a hard shell so when they hit stuff it really sounds gross uh -huh. and and they really have like their sense of direction is terrible and so they're just all over the place and that's what i felt like bats bats looked to me like they were just always buggy they never looked like they were doing what they should be doing it was just like flying headfirst into a stone wall for you know a couple of flaps and then like flipping over into lava like you mentioned earlier it's like this is not this doesn't look like it should be the way that it was designed you know yeah 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 and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm looking up whether or not we have june bugs over here i think we have something called a june bug but it turns out to be a different sort of insect so welcome to uh yeah biology and <laughs> the fact that people can never name stuff consistently uh, anyway, we are going to move from mobs back to blocks because uh, I had a topic come up in my survival guide video recently where I built this this factory and uh, this kind of inspired by a comment from a survival guide viewer who I will keep anonymous for the time being. But they said, 
Builders seem to forget another kind of mindset which can limit what blocks people use in a build, those who seek to use the blocks based on their context. Some people use stone for their stone builds and are not going to mix wool or concrete into the stone because it's not stone, despite the fact that they can add some colours not found among the stone palette. And this is something that came up just because my factory build that I built on Survival Guide is a wide variety of blocks. It's a gradient between moss, tough and mossy cobblestone, through some cut copper blocks of different stages of oxidation, into mud, granite, and finally red brick at the top. So it's block spaghetti, uh, block salad, if you like. And I think it looks cool based on the art style that I was going for, but I can recognize some people's reticence to use materials that way because that's not how you construct a building in real life. And so I thought we could open up a bit of a discussion here about how much real-world context matters to us when choosing materials for a build. And I think this was a great thing to discuss with you, Joel, because you've just spent three years building a medieval city in which I expect you've spent a lot of time thinking, well, the materials I want to build have to look medieval, and so you're building with a lot of stone. How much do you stretch your build palette when it comes to building in West Hill? I, I would say probably not much because I have a very literal brain a lot of the time. Even when I was doing cartoon illustration, I still wanted things to look realistic, and I have a lot of detail in my work and i have a lot of detail in my minecraft work as well i have definitely had preconceived ideas of uh heavy blocks in minecraft in terms of like what they might weigh you know even though there's no gravity really in in minecraft so to speak outside of a couple of blocks um and sometimes that's dictated by just the name of the block you know where it's gathered stone deep slate wood as you mentioned you know the, the materials that you would imagine would also match my medieval fantasy theme um but then other times it's texture i don't tend to use wool in structures because the texture doesn't look sturdy like it tends to look like material i think part of that might be because it's called wood and that kind of earworms into my brain and says like that's a light material uh but um sometimes i don't use it because i find that the gray wool might be off in terms of like the the color temperature and and what i'm trying to do as well um but it can be very tricky to incorporate other blocks you know like i find sometimes even though light gray concrete powder has the right color and the material sure it's concrete powder and sounds, sounds like a building material but it still feels lightweight quote unquote as far as the texture goes and so it feels more like a part of a building that might be falling apart or crumbling in the same way that people use cobblestone on the edges of things to make it look like it's been chipped away or worn down. And so sometimes the materials that I'm using uh, tend to have that kind of artistic impression. And I'm sure a lot of it is subjective, you know, like, cause I've seen some really interesting things where people have used, uh, you know, um, coal ore, and uh birch uh birch bark blocks in builds for gradients and different things in the way that you were describing you know your your um the way that you use different blocks in your factory and i think that for me it it ends up being because of my artistic interpretation of what i want a medieval town to look and feel like i think that's the operative word there is feel 
and I end up using more traditionally named blocks and traditionally um, sourced blocks, I guess, in that way. And I've deviated a little bit because like we've got cool textures and things like calcite uh, and um, I mean, deep slate isn't a real, well, I mean, it might be a real world material, but in Minecraft, it looks like its own thing. And, and I feel like in those cases, uh, I tend to lean more on the, the more realistic things and use the more fantastical blocks in Minecraft, uh, in special occasions. Um, but something that people might not be aware of is like, sometimes just artistically, you may find that darker blocks tend to look more sturdy or structural than lighter blocks. And I think a lot of that has to do with like light and shadow, which you, depending on what you're doing with your Minecraft and maybe shaders, like you might find that something that looks like a darker block looks like it's in shadow and therefore would be more likely to be put under something and feels like it would hold more up because it's a darker block. Mm -hmm. A good example is looking at things like the different wood colors and you might find that birch wood looks more decorative rather than spruce and dark oak tend to be used more often to hold stuff up with pillars, arches, that kind of thing. Whereas if you build, I mean, you can totally build pillars and arches out of birch, but I would guess if you built the exact same structure, you know, an arch or a couple of pillars inside of something like say a church or a steepled roof or something like that, I would imagine the darker blocks would look like they would be holding more weight than the lighter ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that makes sense. And I think um, there's a certain amount of real world realism to blocks in the pastel color range feeling sort of flimsier if you think about stuff like sandstone and limestone sort of sedimentary rock types that have been used in building for generations but are obviously eroded by rain and that kind of thing and then you think about the amount of darker quarried stone i'm thinking especially here in in england in like the north of england you get a lot more of that stuff that really feels like it is built to last and mm -hmm. and those are usually like you know there's some lighter stone types in there but a lot of it feels like it's more um you know m more dense stone and that can potentially be from like you know volcanic activity and and stuff that's just been um it's like metamorphic rock isn't it that's been like put under immense pressure and has transformed the rock into a different type and that's typically like the harder types of stone um and so yeah there's there's plenty of of weight there um and and i think using weight to determine your choices of blocks is a really interesting system um and lately i feel like i've been going in a different direction to it and i've been looking at a purely aesthetic sensibility with builds where i don't worry as much about materials i worry about the overall impression and i tend to like i i tend to compare the build style to impressionist painting um, and not necessarily in the sense that it uses the same techniques as impressionist painters would, but more the fact that the overall idea is a more sort of free construction and a less less adherence to structural lines and, and contours, and it kind of just gives the overall impression from a distance. Um, it's not necessarily using the most realistic combination of color and texture and shape, but if you look at it and say, that's a factory uh from a distance then it's sort of done its job and the philosophy i tend to take is that most minecraft builds in in the case of the the way that i tend to build where i i start in one place and then i expand outwards and i have a few different projects a lot of the time on average i'm going to be seeing those buildings from far away much more frequently than i'm seeing them up close and when it comes to my starter houses i'm not 
block salading the inside of a house where I'm expecting to spend a great deal of time. Like for builds that I plan to spend a lot of time around or inside, I use a lot more flat texture. I use a lot more, if I'm using gradients, I'm using very linear gradients that feel a little bit more structural. And there's a lot more simple decoration on the inside of there. Because I know that when you're standing next to block spaghetti, it can't help but look like block spaghetti because you're right next to it and you can see all of the joins between the different textures. You know, you get the, the outline of the block that you're looking at and that very much reminds you these are a bunch of cubic meters of very different material. But most of the time you're going to be seeing stuff from further away. And this is not just about player builds. This is also what makes a Minecraft generated mountain look like a mountain and not just a vague collection of dirt and stone blocks. I feel like the distance blends the textures together on the screen and that helps everything look a lot more natural. If you look at a screenshot up close of my factory build you think oh yeah that's a lot of very obvious block choices but then if you look at it from further away you can't see where the granite and mud blend into the red brick even though those are very different textures when you look at them up close. So it's all about perspective and I think it's the kind of thing that I'm giving is an, an overall impression of a type of material that's more designed to be seen from a distance than it is designed to be experienced up close. I agree. I think scale has a lot to do with it. And when you're building something at scale, and let's say it's a smaller scale, like the inside of a house or a, or a utility room or whatever, then that is something that I also experience with some of the scale in Westill being uh, player scale like I just I don't really go super super large a lot of the time one to try and keep it from being a super long project I understand the irony of that but uh, <laughs> it's it's one of those things where uh, you know it, on the larger areas I've absolutely had a lot more blocks in there but I, st I still ended up picking things that are in that same family of like tough and cobbled deep slate and the the ends of basalt and all that kind of stuff uh maybe a little bit of mud in there and i would say like you know there's a good example of mud is the right color for what i wanted but you wouldn't put mud not mud bricks not packed mud mud in a wall it would not hold anything it would just mm -hmm. slop away right so in some ways like you can get away with it in minecraft and i find it interesting too that you know you're talking about like the block salad, which is a great term, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, of that of that kind of stuff. And, and that I still find that I want to do that, but then I'll end up with one block that's just too far outside that grouping. You know, like it's just the edge of something is just too pink. Um, I think a lot about something like you're trying to do a lot of uh, texture work maybe on a road and you've got a bunch of different blocks, but then you get down into the the terracottas and you're like they're brown i want them to work but they've just got such a hard edge that it just does not blend in in the same way that i want it to and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that these roads are something that you're usually two blocks away from because you're walking on them, as mm -hmm. opposed to using that kind of blend in a, in a big brown wall that's 100 blocks away you could probably get away with a lot more you know uh i think that it's and it, i think it uh, your comparison to impressionistic painting is fantastic because like that's exactly what you're doing you're picking uh, a block that has an overall read of a certain hue even though if you look at it specifically it might have things like black or gray or something in it but overall if it reads as kind of like a maroon or a pink and it works with what you want to do from a distance then you're choosing the right block uh, you see that all the time when people do uh, those digital mosaics where they take an image like a jpeg from from 
you know, the internet and then they make it a pixel art piece in Minecraft and they make it large enough where, you know, the, the different blocks read as certain colors, you know, because you're seeing a person's face, you're reading that as skin tone, even though it's birch bark or something yeah, or, 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 you know, bir stripped birch logs, which is not at all. People are not yellow in real life, not like the Simpsons. Right. And, but it works because next to a bunch of other pink blocks, it all kind of blends together, uh, in that kind of effect. And, um, pointillism if anybody wants to look that up on on their own it's a fantastic way to look at uh, essentially very early pixel art in yes. terms of how those colors were were put together you know you you think that's a green field but it's a bunch of blue and yellow dots that are just really close together in different proximities and different sizes and from a distance your eye just blends them together and you know ends up looking green that's one of the reasons i always talk about color theory when i talk about building and and stuff like that in Minecraft, because you can use all that information to your, your advantage. Like when you know that stuff, uh, when you know the rules, you know how to break them. And I think that that's um, an interesting way to approach that kind of stuff in, in Minecraft. Pointillism is absolutely what I was going to bring up next, because, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a branch off of impressionism is is what it boils down to. And yeah, I think it, it, it makes so much sense for a game like this and with pixel art being so common. I look at what Doc M is doing on Hermitcraft right now. He's reproducing fan art of his like perimeter project and everything and the lore he's developed for this area and he's you know got a couple of people helping him condense these down into pixel art murals that he can build in massive scale on the walls of his perimeter and he's using blocks like um warped stems and stuff like that in there and i don't think of those as having a particularly consistent color that would make sense but when viewed from a distance it blends together and becomes the texture on the sleeve of somebody's outfit in this giant mural and that's that's the fascinating part about it is the fact that the the game at a distance is going to blend that stuff into something that feels legible to the viewer as a as a complete picture and yeah it from a re material realism perspective yes building with that stuff makes no sense building with wool in a stone build makes no sense and it really depends i think on whether or not like this is another facet of this argument whether or not you are looking at something that the player is supposed to have built whether it's a man-made structure or whether it's something organic and the example that the commenter gave was being able to mix wool or concrete into stone for a stone build but some people elsewhere in the discussion were also talking about using you know wool or concrete powder as part of a landscape and then at that point the landscape is not meant to be something that the player has necessarily constructed themselves even though you've had a hand in it it's not like a landscape gardener is going let's put down all of this concrete powder around here like the idea is that the landscape is supposed to be shaped naturally and if you want it to look more natural you need to deviate from what minecraft gives you in the first place because minecraft gives you a parody of what the natural world actually looks like and mainly because there are blocks everywhere and i think it's very difficult to give the impression that you've got a more realistic appearance in something like this and real life stone is not always the same color texture and grain from one cubic meter to the next much less you know the dirt and grass all around us and so you know it, it's it's difficult for me to understand where people draw the line when it comes to the material side of things and like I look at the wood floor in my bedroom, for example, I see different grain and knots in every area of that. If I build my bedroom floor in Minecraft, 
In theory, I should be using all the same wood type, but it doesn't look like my bedroom floor at that point because it's just a repeating pattern of the same texture and it feels dull. And so really, where do you draw the line? You know, I, I feel like people need to sort of talk themselves into the idea of using texture if they want to get the most out of the, the visual impact that the game can have. And I sort of wonder also, is it impossible to make a house look like it has had modern stucco plaster work done because we don't have a plaster block in Minecraft? Or do you just suck it up and use concrete because that's the closest available thing? Like, if your brain can make that connection, then I feel like you can start to make the connection to other materials. You know, I... Having been to a mushroom island recently, I just collected a bunch of mushroom stem blocks, and I, I, I look at those and I think, that looks like it could be stucco. But then people are going to say, no, that's mushroom stem. You're using the stem of a fantastical giant mushroom in order to build a wall. That's not going to jive with me. And I just sort of think, well, where can we find some common ground? Where can we find the compromise? Because it feels like you're throwing away something that could look like a good block and you're reading the name of it. You know, if you re if you renamed Mushroom Stem to Stucco Plaster and you gave that to somebody, would that be enough for them to understand that they could <laughs> use the block that way? Like, all it is is semantics at that stage, which is, is really difficult for me to get behind because I'm somebody who loves interpretation and seeing the grey areas of stuff like that. Not just in Minecraft, but in, you know, the TV that I watch deals with a lot of those kind of grey areas and kind of, you know philosophical problems and i think it's it's kind of fun to try and reach beyond that and see what actually matters to you whether it's the impression of what you're trying to convey or whether it is material exactitude in this case i'm glad you brought up the mushrooms because that reminds me that i have used mushrooms on a couple of occasions for different houses in Westell, and the front gate is mostly bone block which is weird <laughs> yeah now that i think about that, that's, it right that's a way to scare off the advancing armies we have a gate made entirely <laughs> out of cubic meters of human bones that were you know pulled out of undead skeletons from the area right like but but yeah but bone block excellent example really great building block wouldn't change it for the world. Very, very sinister if you actually use it in real life, though. Yeah, it, th that kind of thing, I think, is, is you know, th there can be things that are taken too literally. And I think that for me, it's it's less about what the block is called and where it's from most of the time and more about, like, what is the artistic visual impression that it gives? You know, um, I, I talked about weight and things like that, but uh, that kind of, process of blocks that are not supposed to be you know in that environment i think is more forgiving when you get into more organic stuff you mentioned landscaping and using like green concrete powder you know to kind of vary up your grass textures a little bit here and there uh, i recently was reminded because we have so many blocks now in minecraft i forget about stuff uh that uh the tops of azalea saplings is a, another great way to uh in increase the variety in some landscape you're burying a tree up to the top. It's weird, but it works, you know, in terms of the texture. Uh, also, you know, using things like fence gates, fences, stairs, and slabs to make custom trees. We, we don't have any other options. We don't have the branch block that was mentioned earlier in the email section. And so players have to do that. And it's a hit or miss. You know, I've had that discussion, you know, on the podcast. Sometimes I really like fence gates in certain places and you just can't unsee fence gates hanging in trees, you know, and it's that suspension of disbelief and that use case where um, I find that it's a little bit more forgivable in things that are 
weirdly in Minecraft, it's the organic stuff that's a little bit easier to get around. Like I'm putting mangrove roots inside of bushes and inside of trees to make it look like the branch blocks that we don't have. But it's a root block. If I took it literally, I should only put it under things. You know, like it shouldn't go on the top of, of a tree. It should go only in the bottom. And there are lots of examples like that that I think you get more freedom with in anything that's a little bit more, you know, organic. Like I think if um, I don't have any exact examples, but I remember seeing things from like Gemini Tay and other builders that make these really large kind of sculpture like uh, dragons or fantastical fairies or whatever. And the blocks that they're using in those builds are purely color. Like they, it doesn't matter what the material is. If it's the right gray or if it's the right yellow or pink, it's going in that build because at that scale, it's a lot more forgivable, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like it, it boils down to the same thing as the pixel art, really. Like it's it's just meant right. to convey an overall impression. And like I, I will obviously play both sides of this argument a little bit. And I think many more of us should be doing more with shape. Um, and I think materials can often be a crutch to make a build look interesting when the overall shape would need some work. And I, I tried to do a little bit of this in season two of Empires, where I built my, uh, my museum build. I began designing everything by building the entire structure out of stone, including stairs and slabs of just natural stone, so that I could work on the shape and make sure I was happy with the shape before I started filling in the texture. And I wanted it have to have like a strong silhouette and be like uh, functionally very symmetrical. And that was quite helpful. Um, so you can start by doing that as a drafting process. And then once you've got the shape right, then you can focus on filling in sections of material. And I think that allows you to contemplate the realism a little bit more and to avoid just uh, just imagining that block spam is going to make your builds overall look better um the reason i tend to do it is that like i i tend to focus a little bit more on the block salad texturing is that i i end up knowing what the shape is going to be and i'm happy with the shape afterwards and there are some sections on the factory build that i ended up just working with bricks but making sure that the shape was more interesting so that it gave it a little bit more character at that stage because it was beyond the area where i'd gradiated the material and to continue the gradient higher would have felt a little bit strange but i think yeah overall you can imagine a situation like in west hill where people would have quarried the material locally right like if you're working with the right. level the level of realism and the thematic style that you are going with you've got a a bunch of materials which realistically they've got a lot of spruce and dark oak woods and the wood could be stained so that could very easily just have come from the same trees and just be stained with different types of you know material but then all of the stone has probably come from under the ground there's probably a quarry nearby that or mines or whatever where they've been digging up large quantities of stone that they've used to build the town and with the majority of the town being that way it sells the overall idea of it being a very localized and locally materially driven society and i think that's great for medieval and you know bone blocks aside and you know the occasional prismarine roof that i know you've done in this side for like the richer part of town i feel like the majority of it works so well because it stays within medieval building materials which is what a lot of minecraft's resource tree is based around is you know acquiring cobblestone and and 
you know everything else but then as soon as you push past that you start to run into problems where if you're inventing something then often you don't know what that is made out of you know and and there are some materials that are used in modern building methods in the real world that simply aren't available in minecraft so you have to adopt the next best thing and at a certain point once you're adopting the next best thing then it's a slippery slope down to using cut copper in the side of a factory building made out of bricks um i just think it's more fun for me and other people may think differently and it's entirely fine if they do but i think it is a lot more fun for me to imagine the overall impression of a build and use a variety of blocks and allow yourself to see those gray areas a little bit because ultimately it lends itself to a different build style and it maybe doesn't work as well if you're trying to build within a certain theme, but by that point you've laid out a block palette and you understand what your theme is. Whereas right now I'm just throwing everything at this spawn area and building whatever I think looks good. I think if you've got a thematic area like West Hill, you're going to be a lot more focused about that, and that is where relying on materials pays off a lot better. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, I have definitely even had that conversation when people are suggesting block choices in chat on stream where i'm just like well i'm not going into the orange and you know uh, or heavy into the terracottas uh because i it, there doesn't look like there'd be a lot of it around right with a taiga and a plains biome being the only thing in in, in render distance and no ocean access like i mean and that's just my logical brain kicking in and going like yeah we'll do some forest green the there is a a, a, a yellow terracotta tower but it's very special like it's not everywhere it doesn't look like um, the the cliffsides in Brazil, you know, where everything is like pink and green and blue. And mm -hmm. I, I think also um, the Philippines has a lot of bright colors and stuff like that. And and that's just not the case for Westall because it just, it wouldn't work with with the vibe. I've, I definitely have that into consideration. And I appreciate what you talk about shape as well because, you know, as a character designer, shape is is king. Shape and silhouette for reading a character instantly. And when it's done very well. It's almost impossible to mistake that character for something else. Think about Mickey Mouse, for example. If you take Mickey Mouse in a good pose and black him out, like complete silhouette, everybody knows it's Mickey Mouse. Uh, and same thing, if you put him next to Goofy, you're not going to mix the two up at all, right? And only after that can you layer in. I mean, you can put Mickey Mouse in any costume you want. And when you black it out, it still looks like Mickey Mouse. And I think if you're approaching your builds in Minecraft with that idea of shape and depth, you know, which is just the layers of shape um, together, then when that reads well, and then you go back in and you use the blocks to uh, reinforce that shape, you know, reinforce that depth. That is, I think, where you get some freedom where you can say, okay, well, I've already made this entrance, you know, three or four blocks deep, which means it doesn't all have to be stone. Like as I get layered in there and I want it to be darker, I could switch to something else like mud. You know, it's if it's the right dark gray for the inside of this door frame, it's going to make it look creepy or whatever the whatever you're going for, then do it because you've you've done that work with the shape to help you get more freedom with your texture. Whereas if you did that on a flat surface and you just kind of put mud next to brick, like it's going to look a little bit funny in a straight line, you know?
Yeah, absolutely it is. And uh, yeah, I, I'm now thinking that Block Salad would have been a great alt title for the, the podcast. Like if, if we hadn't come up with the spawn chunks, I feel like Block Salad would also be yeah. a, a solid choice. But that that is where we're going to wrap up this episode of The Spawn Chunks. It could have all been so different. Uh, you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we talked about today over at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show was composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, why not consider putting some value back in? You can visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join our community, where pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live when we record it in Discord every Monday, and our monthly Minecraft audio hangout comes up at the end of the month, so you can show us what you've been doing in your Minecraft worlds. We currently have 326 patrons, which is down a few from last week, but probably just the Patreon reshuffle to blame there special thanks go out to our content engineer patrons who help make this show possible thank you hunter 555 jumbo sale mind trip media party voyager and yitz for your support on this episode sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show you can find us at the spawn chunks on twitter and instagram personal recommendations are by far the best way to share the podcast just poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance and let them know that they can listen on itunes spotify google podcasts and youtube be sure to leave a rating and a review on your favorite platform you can email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com the rss feed is linked in the spawnchunks.com and the patron only rss feed is on the patreon page that's where you can listen to the render distance the extended version of the podcast my name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixorifs, where the Minecraft Survival Guide is currently in its third season. I stream three days a week on Twitch, where I do behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series, and I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I'm doing online can be found at joelduggan.com. That includes links to the Citadel Cafe, my other podcast about sci-fi and fantasy entertainment. Stephen ESC and I hung out and talked about Loki season two so far this week, and that is available now. My name is Joel Duggan on social media, Joel Duggan on Twitch. I'm very easy to find. And I stream Thursday through Sunday with a couple of extra days coming up in the near future because Satisfactory has made a comeback on the channel. But of course, I am focusing on the Citadel and West Hill in Minecraft. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. Oh baby, the world outside is infinite. Block salad and sniffer eggs.